When the choice seems to be to tear down the church or build a wall around it, we aim to walk the narrow road of nuance through the wilderness between the warring factions and try to figure out what it means to love God and people well. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of the Unbetween podcast. I'm not going to lie, I did have to look to verify that we were, in fact, on episode 20. And I think there's a few reasons for that. One, it seems like we have talked about so many things since we started. And two, because we've talked about so much, it does not seem like I should be able to count the number of episodes on my fingers and toes. So we've got a lot more to talk about. I know that. And fortunately, the way this has worked for us is every time we check one conversation off our list, we, we add three or four or five more because... Either one conversation prompts another or gives us another idea to explore or something else. We're like, hey, we should talk about that. Or culture gives us something to talk about. And that is the case in today's episode. You've likely seen things about Disney and Hillsong and what's been going on. And so I'm not going to belabor that anymore on the intro because we do it enough in the episode. So let's jump in. I hope you enjoy it. So in our ongoing conversation about art made by people of faith, we've, we've touched on a, kind of a bunch of different stuff and s- reiterated some things as well. But um, Ryan and I had a conversation, I think it was earlier this week, all the days mm-hmm. kind of run together, but about um, basically how we kind of in the family sphere on an individual level and also kind of within your family group or your little circle, your circle of influence, however large or small it may be of how we interact with like uh, how, how we take art in and process it and uh like in, in a uh, art that's happening kind of on a cultural scale is part of what we were talking about because there were two kind of interesting things that we both encountered over the last week or so and one of them was the uh hillsong church documentary that discovery put out and then we had a conversation about Disney and some of the the content of their movies and media and some of the moral stances that they've been taking and kind of what uh, the, the cultural shifts that are reflected in those. And, and it got us talking and thinking about how followers of Jesus respond to larger movements that are happening in art. Because you, you may not think of a Pixar movie as art, or you may not think of a song that you sing on Sunday morning as art, but it, it has been created to express an idea. And I think that's a pretty good definition of what art is. And, um, you know, that's not a Webster's definition, and I wouldn't pretend to know how to give you one. <laughs> but uh, that, that that's kind of been the working uh, idea that, or the working definition that we've been using. So, um, and this ties into some, uh, sermons or teachings that we've heard lately as well. So we, we kind of just wanted to hit, hit record and explore some of that. We, we have in private conversations some already, but thought it might be beneficial to, uh, to turn the mics on. Yeah. And, and a little context behind kind of sermons and, and things we've been hearing. You know, our church is going through judges, and there's kind of this endless spiral of calling out to God once they get into turmoil, right? When Once they've ignored these things and gotten into trouble, now we call out to God, and and God often um, kind of hands them over to their des- desires, you know, to what they want and to show them the depravity that they have. And and you, you get to this point kind of right now as we're, 
uh, going into Samson where the people don't even cry out anymore. Um, and they've almost just become used to and an accepting of their state. Yeah. And I think as we look at these things, like Taylor mentioned, the Hillsong thing, Disney, a lot of just what's going on in our culture, uh, you, you see us almost just getting used to things that are, are we should not be used to hmm. as believers. And there's almost this desire to feel like, oh, well, in order to make peace and to do what we talk about, right, navigating that space between kind of the far of each side and, and to be in that place as believers so that we can have conversations and affect change and, and do things that way. I think there's this this thought that maybe the way we do that is to sit quietly in the middle as it happens. And a lot of this this week hit me as, no, I, I, don't, I don't think that's right, you know, especially in light of, of specific commandments we're given in scripture. Um, even last night, uh, a verse came up in a, in a class I'm, I'm helping with. It's John 17, 18, where it says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? Hmm. You know, talking about how Jesus was sent into the world, therefore we're, we're sent into. And there are certain things Jesus did to humble himself and to, uh, what's the Greek word, kenosis, to empty himself, um, to come into earth for, for different reasons, but and to be among the people, to live among them, but it was not to be accepting of their actions. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's these stark differences we have to be careful with. Yeah, and it's it's quite, or it can be quite challenging at times to know where to land. And I think what, what I hope everybody comes out of this conversation with is not that um, here's the stance you need to take, because I think that's the default, is what's your mm-hmm. stance? Where do you stand on this? And I don't think that's the right way to think about it. But what is your response is and and there's a difference there because the one is like this is whose team i'm on and the other is well this is what i'm actually going to do about it and a a lot of the conversation ryan and i had over the uh, the initial conversation was kind of cutting through whose team it being about whose team you were on and who you were against and more about well so what do you do when this thing comes into your home kind of thing yeah one thing i do want to bring up on what you said I I agree with you. You know, our job is not to scream what side we're on, but I do think we have to trying to think of the best way to say this. I think we have to come to an understanding that the side we're on doesn't matter necessarily Mm. or or our side, right? As a person, what does matter is what God says about things. And so I think we have to be careful if it's a matter of sides on something that we don't feel is scripturally, um, stated that's one thing Mm -hmm. but if it is while we may not have to yell from a a megaphone our position every second of the day i think our actions and and the way we live our life is probably should be a clear example of that yeah and the the reason i the reason i brought up that distinction is that there's a difference between yelling your position and living it Yes. And yep. I think it's a lot easier to yell it than to live it. And the emphasis mm-hmm. is on the yelling because it's a lot easier and it makes you look good to whoever you're trying to fit in with. Yeah. And we've talked about this before. When you look at any issue in the sides of each spectrum, 
I firmly believe, and Taylor, I think, in our discussion, you're in the same place. Most people are not on each side. They're somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. They're struggling with it. They're trying to at least live in, in, in that space. But the ones who we hear from, the ones with the megaphone, happen to be on the far of each side yeah. or spectrum. Yeah. Oh. Loud reaches further. Yeah. Yeah. But it also doesn't last as long. <laughs> and I, I can't remember... It was an earlier episode. We kind of mentioned there's a couple ways to be heard, and one of them is to be actually smart on something where people want to listen to you. The other one's to be just super loud where they can't ignore you. And it doesn't <laughs> yeah. mean that you're intelligent on the subject. It just means that you're obnoxious, so you're going to be heard, right? I th- um, think the way you summed it up was that there's a difference between bold and loud. Yeah. <laughs> which I thought was I lovely. That is right. <laughs> yeah. It's well, been a it, minute. So. So the the question kind of comes about because in both of these instances, we're ta- so let's take the examples of Hillsong and of Disney, whatever you may think of them. That's kind of a separate conversation. But you have multinational gazillion dollar corporations. I think Disney is a little bit bigger than Hillsong, but never mind. But you have these entities, brands, companies, multi- multimedia companies, basically, who produce a whole bunch of different kinds of content and things that people consume and interact with and buy and um, make a part of their lives in this way or another. When you have a company that gets to that size, it has the potential to influence a lot of people for better or worse. Mm -hmm. And the follower of Jesus who interacts with a company or an entity like that, the chances of you having an end of exerting any influence over that as an individual is really small and even like collective influencing of those things i don't i kind of tend to think is missing the point there's i remember when i was younger there was a lot of talk about we need to boycott hollywood or you know hollywood is the enemy and they're turning out filth whereas if you actually first of all there's a whole lot more christians working in hollywood than y'all probably know about faithful, like scripture living Christians. And that also that if you were to talk to these people who are making the media that you find so offensive, probably what you would find in that in most cases, they didn't have you and your worldview in mind at all when they made that thing that you hate. They were trying to explore themes of loss or, you know, whatever that thing you don't like is about, that wasn't their primary motive. And it, it it was just it was a very much us versus them conversation, and I think in a lot of ways it kind of still is. So taking both of these examples, I've I've heard people, both in the case of Disney and in the case of Hillsong, just utter all kinds of dire imprecations about how fallen and ridiculous they are, and what do you expect? And they're the enemy, and we need to don't let these into your home, and all this kind of stuff. And maybe even there's some wisdom or some truth in that. Again, I think that's, to a certain degree, a different conversation. But if we're talking about how do we respond, uh, uh, it, it, we, we've talked about this before when we talked about like the the citizens of heaven, residents of earth conversation that Mm -hmm. most of your influence that you are able to exert as a follower of Jesus is going to be pretty dang local. It's going to be your immediate family, maybe your coworkers and, and some of the folks that you go to church with. But for most of us, that's kind of it. You know, we don't have, nor should we seek, we've covered this before too, to have a platform to 
influence a bunch of people. And a lot of the conversation in our culture about the platform that you supposedly have, we've worked through that. We just think that that a lot of that is just kind of smoke and mirrors and that it's so much more about how you live your life day to day. And yeah. And as you're talking about this and even earlier when we were talking about community, I think of it, I wish this was, you know, visual too. So we could like put up a diagram, but I think (laughs) of these spheres of influence or these circles like you're talking about. It's it's not even just a circle, though. So maybe the immediate is what we see, and that's more local. But think of a bullseye, mm-hmm. right, more so than just one circle, where you've got all these circles kind of going out. And I do think <clears throat> on a level you should be doing things that expand that sphere. Not that you're able to necessarily, or you're called even to go to Timbuktu or wherever, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's not what I'm saying, but what are you doing to help influence that, right? How am I helping to send, to equip um, the people who are called? You know, what am I doing to help with that? And then it's, from the internal, um, or go ahead, you, you have something to say on that part. Yeah, uh, the the scripture that talks about, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. You know, some of those people he was, Christ was talking to when he said that served in the church in Jerusalem. Some were sent out as missionaries and apostles mm-hmm. to those other areas. I think that bullseye analogy works really well. Please, yeah. continue. Please continue. Yeah. No, and, I, and I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, I think, and we, we we're so quick to say, well, I'm not called to do that. Well, yeah, it's it's a command to everyone. You are. Now, the where is what we have to figure out and how. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you do play a part in that, and I won't go too much on a soapbox on that in this episode. But then the internal uh, sphere, you know, as we look at things, again, the bullseye, rather than starting the middle and how am I expanding out, think about starting wide and coming in, hmm. right? And so it's not, you know, I don't have these people who I disagree with or talk with, so it it, it doesn't matter. It is, let me find these people who I disagree with and I don't talk to and start to bring them into this sphere of influence, right? Hmm. If we're supposed to be having conversations with people that we can affect change. Now, they're not in the middle of that, so I'm not going to instantly go in and, well, hey, here's my view on this and blah, 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 blah. You're right. I, like, that's not what I'm going to do. What I'm going to do is start on a broad point and start having conversations. And you know what? If, if that relationship continues and they eventually get to that point where I can sit down over a cup of coffee and talk to them about this issue that I know they disagree with me and have a a real human conversation about it without screaming at each other. Great. If not great, but I am doing something to help potentially foster that tough conversation. Yeah. And that's, I think that's where the real work happens most of the time. That's not to say that, uh, the folks who have a platform shouldn't have it or the folks who have influence on a wider scale, that that's not uh, real work. It, it's just that that's, that's going to be the rarity. For the majority of us, it's going to look like what you just described. Yeah, and it should, because you look at the examples we're talking about, so Disney and and Hillsong, and while their intentions in their mind may be well-placed, when you look at the outcome and the effect it may have on people, you know, it it can be dangerous. In, In the instance of... Hillsong, a lot of power was placed with one person, mm-hmm. and it put them in a position to fail. And, and we, we talked about Carl Lentz, what, probably a year ago. Yeah. We briefly, briefly mentioned the fall, and I think that was before really many details had come out. But, you know, if, if you want to hear more about our stance on kind of putting people on a pedestal and setting them up to fail and 
um, even us putting too much trust in a person instead of in Christ, in God, um, that there's an episode about that early on. But there's two episodes, Shepherds in Stages, part one and two. Yeah, that's right. That's right. This is our commercial. <laughs> so go reference that. But but yeah, it's uh, it's tough because, I mean, think about growing up, and, and I watch Disney movies now, and I even catch things that's like, I did not catch that as a kid. <laughs> yeah. But... It's it's typically jokes. Well, now, you know, you're looking at everything in a different way. And 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 I, when we were talking the other day, it came up. You know, there was a whole lot of issue put on Beauty and the Beast because the guy came out in the girl's clothes or whatever. Well, that happened in the original too. Yeah. But what? How, how many years ago did the original Beauty and the Beast come out? Some I don't even mid-90s, know. Mid nineties, I think. Yeah, but like back then, we weren't thinking about it in that that way. It was funny. Yeah, right. Yeah. And now it's not funny because it hits too close to home with what's going on culturally. Right. And, and I think, um, it was, a we, we should have recorded that conversation cause I, <laughs> I think I was right. more on my game in that, that way. But, um, I think something, one of the issues that, that kind of emerged from our conversation that we wanted to talk about was that in both of these cases, these are huge multimedia conglomerates that are putting content into our homes that we feel like we should be able to trust enough to disengage from, uh, from vigilance, you know, uh, or from, uh, discernment that we grew up with these in, in the case of Disney movies, for example, you knew Maybe less so in retrospect, but you knew you weren't going to encounter anything too bad in those. Yeah. As an adult, I look back at them and, you know, we, we watch them, but uh, I look at them and I see things that like, oh, that's not overt making a statement, but it is normalizing something by mm-hmm. putting it up there. Uh, it art tends to be more overt in our current cultural moment. But the same thing with Hillsong or... Uh, the Hillsong is the same way insofar as this is an entity that you feel like you're supposed to be able to trust, that you don't have to vet it, that you it should be safe to let them into your homes. And kind of the point that we landed on or that we realized, I guess, through talking with it is that it seems like we're more comfortable just having this blanket. OK, I know I can trust these people, so I don't have to be discerning. I don't have to have those difficult conversations around the supper table. I don't have to be the guy that says, uh, I think we need to turn that off. <laughs> I had an experience as a kid where we, uh, my parents put the movie home alone on and turned it off a few minutes into it because of how horribly disrespectful and hateful the family was being to each other yeah. and particularly the kids <laughs> to the parents. And I did, of course, didn't understand it at the time, but they told me later that this was at an age where that, that was an issue they were really working on my brothers and I about of like, you know, don't speak to people like that. And I went back and watched it as an adult and it immediately clicked. Oh, I can see why you turn, you turn this movie off. Like previous to that, you might have that kid or the, or those characters that acted like that, but it wasn't a good thing. Whereas in home alone, it was just normal. It's normal to talk to your parents like this. The kids didn't get in trouble. They weren't getting mad at each other necessarily for how they were treating each other. They were just treating each other badly. And the movie portrayed it as normal. Now, over the arc of the story, like they, they learned their lesson, like the Kevin character played by Macaulay Culkin 
comes to realizes comes to realize that he needs his family and all this. So overall, the message of the movie is good. But what I think my parents were rightly concerned about is here's a piece of art that is telling you something is okay when it isn't, mm-hmm. which is different than just portraying something that isn't okay. Because I've seen plenty of other movies where uh, somebody was being a jerk <laughs> and the movie presents it as this person is a jerk. Like this no. isn't good. This isn't normal. Um, and, and the reason that this is important, going back to our conversation with Josh Porter of our kind of d- divine calling to be uh, art appreciators, <laughs> if you will, is that scripture works like this too, bringing it back to judges, for example, that if you've ever read the entire story of Samson from beginning to end, the dude is not a hero. He's terrible. He doesn't do anything good at all. And God uses him, but it's not in any way because of his own goodness at all. And that's a very different kind of portrayal than I think what most of us grew up with, with that story being told. And so I think all of this ties together in that it's we're we're supposed to have this skill set or this this toolbox for dealing with art and the way that it portrays things. When it comes into our home, there needs to be a vigilance. There needs to be a an alertness to, okay, what is this thing saying? What does that mean? How are we supposed to respond to it? And the same thing with something like Hillsong. Like these these folks are writing songs that we're singing to God in church. Is everything that they're saying, does it line up with scripture? Is it okay? Who does it put on the throne? And, and this isn't you know, the, this is a present conversation because of this documentary that came out. This right. isn't necessarily trying to comment on, like, if you sing Hillsong songs, if, is something wrong with you? But just that I think what we've fallen into as Christians in America is that we don't want to do the work that I just described. Yeah. Really, what we have to be careful with is, and kind of what we, we mentioned the other day, things have changed a lot. So... When we were kids and and we wanted to watch a Disney movie, mom went to Target or Walmart or wherever and bought the VHS, right? Yeah. And put it in and and would, would sit there and watch. And if there was a part on a movie that was sketch or something, I don't, I don't know how many of you got this, but the pause, fast forward, okay, that's good, <laughs> play. Yeah. And, and there were things like that. And, and one, we controlled what came into the home because it was physically purchased and brought in. Yeah. And we saw what we were supporting because it was a direct correlation. Now, yes, it's supporting all of Disney, but it was that movie. Um, And then the parents were sitting there in many cases and watching it with you, right? That was more because what else were they going to do? This day and age, you pay $14.99 a month and you have access to whatever you want to watch. Yeah. And we are inundated with everything from ads that may not be necessarily the best thing to watch. We, I was getting ready for to show a video in our, our the class I helped with. Unfortunately, we were previewing it beforehand because the um, the ad was I forget what it was for. It was for some coffee substitute, but it, it said like F coffee right at first. It's like oh okay great. So let's not <laughs> let's make sure we have that skipped before we we show the video in in class, but. It's fun. Yeah, it's like, great. That would have been good. But, you know, that's not what we were trying to watch. We were trying to watch a great video about, you know, missions history and this sort of thing. But that's the ad that's on there. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and no correlation to each other, right? But that's what's there. So we've opened our home up to ads, to all the content we could possibly want. And the bigger problem that we kind of alluded to is no longer are the parents being the watchdog. They're trusting mm-hmm. Disney to be. And where maybe that worked for years past, in this day and age, Disney's not a good watchdog of your children. Not only is that an issue, but there's an even bigger issue, and I'm I'm not trying to step on toes, but I am in many ways, so we think about this this way. There are a lot of things being talked and shown to your kids that you're going to miss if you're sitting on the couch beside them staring at your phone. Hmm. That's not a good way to police them either. And, and I say police yeah. to nurture what we have been given when God gives us children to care for. Mm-hmm. You cannot adequately use moments like what you had with home alone as a teaching moment. If you're staring at Instagram and missing everything that's happening in front of you. Yeah. Because uh, I don't, I don't fault my parents for turning it off. No, I think as far as I know, that was a right decision. We chose like, uh, we chose as parents to watch it. But before we did, we had a conversation with our daughter about, okay, now at the beginning of this movie, some of these kids are being really mean to each other and really mean to their parents. Let's talk about whether or not that's okay. And just because it's in a movie, does that mean we do it? And, you know, that kind of thing. So um, we took it as an opportunity to let's talk about these issues and the fact that you're probably, I mean, we can't be right next to you all the time. At some point in your life, you're going to encounter people who live their lives this way. It's an opportunity to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, And that should be teaching moments. Now, I think another thing we have to be careful with is presenting things at the right moment when when yeah, our kids are sure. capable of understanding and processing it, you know, and, and it's not showing them something that they're too young to see and it's desensitizing them. A lot of stuff mm-hmm. on Disney that my kids want to watch because they, they, the superhero thing's cool, right? Yeah. But very little of the Marvel stuff, if any of it, is appropriate for a seven, five, and three-year-old. So we don't right. watch it. Um, and it's not supposed to be, no. is, is the other thing that I would it's say, not. is that, you know, uh, going back to the whole Hollywood thing, there are, there are folks who, um, I remember again, a lot of this from when I was younger, that there was a lot of furor about, well, this content is in this movie and you know, my kid watched it and like, well, you shouldn't have been letting your kid just watch mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever. Um, like they're. There are different tiers of media and not all of them are for children or not all of them are for teenagers or for young adults or whatever. And that um, it is ultimately your responsibility to use wisdom. We, we talked, uh, Josh had a lot to say about this mm-hmm. in, in uh, the conversation we had with him is like, you got to own your stage of apprenticeship to Jesus. You got to have people around you who have your best interest in mind that will be like, hey, dude, is this the best idea? And you have to be honest with yourself about, am I watching this because I want to gratify or satisfy something or because I honestly can have a reaction to this piece of art that will bring something good out of me. And the problem is we just don't want to do any of those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's, you know, if we feel like it's taking away from something that we need to experience or we want to be able to talk about. I mean, that's tough. And, and yeah, he mentioned, you know, there's things that he enjoys watching that just aren't good for him at all times, you know, depending on what Mm -hmm. he's going through. And I think I I can relate to that. Yeah. Um, I think too, this is, this, this totally applies to quote Christian things too, though. I mean, we're, these are not two sides of the same coin insofar as that they mirror each other, but um, thinking about, think about thinking about Christian media, mm -hmm. whether it's a sermon or 
whether it's a Sunday school lesson from a trusted publisher or a video from that YouTube channel or a podcast from a pastor that you really like or a book from a pastor that you really like or a song written by a church that you like, um, they still have to pass the test. Yeah. You know? And in much the same way as you can't, you can't just let art shape you like cultural art. I don't want to use the term secular cause that's, that's a whole different conversation, <laughs> but um, you can't just let culture shape you, whether it's the world or Christianity. I don't think there has to be some discernment. There has to be some Holy spirit intervention and leading and sense making there. And I, I think we have just as much problem with that from things coming from the culture as we do with things coming from Christianity. Yeah. Well, and, and they mentioned in the Hillsong documentary and we, we talked about it a bit ago, but they mentioned that Hillsong and, and I don't want to just paint this as Hillsong because it's a lot of churches. I picked yeah. up on something that tobacco alcohol industries picked up on a long time ago, where if you can get kids interested in looking at things early on, and used to it, that they'll become, you know, potential product Lifetime buyers consumers. in the future. Yeah. yeah, and and so you know you've got Hillsong. It shows in, in with all these different avenues, be it TV, uh, music, of course, teaching. They have a college. They have all this stuff and different avenues to to capture um, attention and and to bring kids in and then it's like okay well once you get their attention and I say kids I mean that's us too you know um then what right and I've heard a few people mention it and then even people come and talk to me about just the struggle with things like Hillsong music being done in in churches or or, or Bethel is another example that may theologically be sound but what if it leads people to look up teaching that's not, you know, mm-hmm. or leads them down this rabbit trail uh, that that they don't need to be on, and and that's a tough conversation because you know, and and I I get both stances, right? You yeah. know, art. We've talked about art being made by people even not of faith that can be used for for good purposes, and if something's theologically mm-hmm. sound and allows you to worship God, I would say that's that's a good thing. Um, yeah. At the same time. And that's kind of been the argument. Well, it does that, so it's okay. And, and I'm I'm okay with that. But what other area have we been okay with not mentioning motive behind something? And if the motive is mm-hmm. money, well, that's sinful, right? If the yeah. motive is um, notoriety and building a brand for, for Hillsong rather than a brand for Jesus, that that's sinful. Um, yeah. You know, so, so why are we okay with the wrong motive there? If we're not in other areas. Yeah. And we're, we're using these two because they're obvious examples. It's not that either of us are interested in beating up on Disney or beating up on Hillsong. I think we no, yeah. honestly ha- have better ways to spend our time. The reason we're bringing up is they are, uh, they, they illustrate what you can most certainly find happening in your city, yeah, in well, your town, maybe even in your church. Yeah. These are at the front of the news, right? It's all like, Everyone, when we said Hillsong and Disney, what, 30 minutes ago, knew exactly what we were referencing, most likely, because they've yeah. seen the Disney stuff on the news um, about, and, and I don't know, we, we've talked a lot about kind of the cultural bent that Disney has taken, but, you know, they've come out and said they're no longer even going to say 
boys and girls. You know, it's streamers of all mm-hmm. ages and, and some different things. And um, my understanding is there's a movie that uh, that just came out that has some questionable things that, you know, so there's a lot going on there that's being talked about in media. And then, of course, the documentary is, you know, I, I've heard about it for weeks and finally watched it. But um, these are things being talked about and that are current and are, are relevant, to use the buzzword. Um, <laughs> so that's part of why we're, you know, utilizing those two. There's there's other examples, mm-hmm. and it's not to say that, you know, we're not ever wrong on things, but this is something we're trying to talk about and figure out how to navigate, right? For sure. Um, because there's a... And, and part of... Part of what we're talking about is the relationship between art and propaganda and where's the line between the two <laughs> mm. and, and kind of knowing the difference because, you know, that that piece of art, whether it be that movie or that song or whatever, does and doesn't exist in a vacuum. So you can just watch that movie just for that movie and you don't have to know who makes it or their other stuff or who wrote it and what who uh, what their moral stance on this or that is you can just interact with that movie as it is same thing with the song you can listen to the song you can sing the song you can interact with the song for a moment or a few moments without knowing oh it was published by these people or it was written by these three people or it was distributed by that company you can do that um i guess i guess the question is is like how how much should any of those things matter and how should we respond to how much they do or don't matter. And it seems like to me that the com- the conversation gets simpl- oversimplified really quickly, no matter kind of which end of the spectrum you're on. I remember, um, I guess this was a year and a half ago or so, that uh, there there was a pastor who very publicly was, was making the kind of the publicity around saying, don't play any songs by Hillsong or Bethel or anybody like them because they get royalties off that. So even if there's a particular song that's okay, you're feeding into something that puts heresy out there. His words, not mine. And I was like, oh, that's a that's a pretty hard line stance to take. Yeah. And we had a lot of conver- conversation about that. And I've heard similar things said about, well, about Disney. Like, well, they made a movie that has this in it, which means that they're not trustworthy at all and you shouldn't watch any Disney movies. And then kind of the opposite end of the spectrum is like, man, what do you what do you expect? As long as the thing itself is fine, then it's not a problem. Or even even if there's stuff in there that's bad, it's just like it's just a movie. Who cares? You know, don't it's not the Bible. You don't have to worry about it. Or yeah, maybe this song is a little uh, maybe a little suspect, but it's one song and the you know, the chorus is really good, so that one line in the verse isn't a big deal. I just don't sing that line. And kind of the difficult thing is that I can see all of those points. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can see some validity to all of those and that, uh, but there, there just isn't, I don't, I don't know. And maybe this is me just trying to cop out. I don't know that there's a simplistic, here's what you should always do response to those things. Uh, I, I definitely think that we're much more comfortable in, having a stance that allows us not to have to think through and wrestle with these things that much. I do know. Yeah. And are we even comfortable having the 
are we comfortable having the stance or do we just not want to want to spend the time? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that we're always comfortable. It's just uh, it's easier to say that than to really get down to it. You know, it's easier to say I'm being more loving by keeping my mouth shut than to mm. do the work to be in a position to open my mouth with someone. Um, and con- and conversely, it's easier to stay, say, well, I'm not going to watch that because I'm taking a stand than it is to participate in the cultural conversation and be salt and light there. Yeah. I mean, it, here's the, the tough part about it. We've gotten lazy as believers, mm. as Christian parents, as whatever, to where we do not want to do the difficult things that I feel like we are blatantly asked to do, commanded to do in Scripture. Um, mm-hmm. It's not even an ask in a lot of cases because we have our mindset on what's important, and I'm not trying to go all anti-American dream on this episode. I've done that on others, and I'll <laughs> do it again. But but we have placed importance on things that don't matter and and really gotten lazy and and allowed ourselves to sit back and, and then— ignore things that we know are wrong. You know, uh, how many times have you heard, well, the church shouldn't be a business? Okay, sure. A lot. Right. And, yeah. and I, that's fair, right? Um, in what way do we not think Hillsong's a business? <laughs> yeah. In fact, they, they literally call out in the documentary that it is an LLC, right? Um, yeah. It doesn't even have the typical like nonprofit or whatever designations that most religious organizations have. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that that matters is the same way that like this, the same way that it matters what those characters were doing in that opening scene of home alone. It, it is telling you what is normal mm-hmm. and what is okay. You know, sometimes a piece of art will present something and it's morally ambiguous and you're supposed to take something away from it or go think about it. other times. And a good example of this is there is a, uh, children's book series that um my wife grew up reading and they they still make it but they made a modern netflix made a modern equivalent uh tv show about it that we watched a little bit of and that tv show was not much connected to, <laughs> to the book series but anyway um there were some things that they put in there that they were blatantly having the characters say this is right, this is fine, this is okay, and if you don't agree, there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. That's a totally different thing. But in, in the case of a church the size of Hillsong, who has so much pervasive influence through their music across the world, people look at that model and they say, oh, God is blessing this. Yeah. And, and they have been such a blessing in my life through their music, there can't be anything wrong with this. Our church should do that too. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that happen. And even that is not necessarily bad uh, un- until you take a closer look at what you, what you said a minute ago, which is like, what are we, how are we defining success? What are we shooting for yeah. here? Well, even they, they mentioned the rebrand, the rename of the church. They renamed it mm-hmm. to fit the band. Originally, yeah. it was Hillsong Band. And then they renamed the whole church to be in line with that because that's what was I'm sure they would say it differently, but the underlying issue, that's what was profitable. And when Jesus saw the the temples using religion to make a profit, what happened? You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. came in and turned tables over. Well, and specifically, 
I think that story gets a bad rap. But we're we're not talking about money changing hands. What we're talking about, what was happening in the temple is that they were defrauding poor people of money and lining their pockets with it. Yes. Now, at what point are we okay with the defrauding, though? I mean, yes. this is just a different I, kind of defrauding, right? I uh, mean, yeah, if we yeah, want to look I, at I, it. I think that's fair. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, think there, I think that's fair. But the, the point that I'm making is like, is it a problem if your church sells books in the foyer? I don't necessarily think so. I don't want to comment yeah. Yeah. on that. What we're commenting on is that in the temple, they had a system set up whereby no matter what your kind of economic status, you could still give a sacrifice that was in keeping with your station and still expect to be treated the same way, no matter what it was. So like if you, if you were well off, you bought a bull. If you were less well off, you brought a goat or you brought two turtle doves. There there was a way for you to continue to commune with God, no matter what you had available to you. But those guys who were set up in the temple that Jesus was so angry at were, were price hiking. They were, uh, they they had special people there's priests who were supposed to inspect the animals for blemishes and they would be like oh found a blemish here but here's a perfectly unblemished one that you can have for three times what you would pay in the marketplace for it or they had there's a lot of prohibitions in the torah about don't lend at usury don't charge interest don't use dishonest scales and they were doing all of those things in the temple they were cheating people for profit exactly yeah Yeah. exactly exactly yeah and uh and I mention it simply because I do think there's some correlation, right? It's not a, a one-to-one comparison, but obviously we're not offering sacrifices either anymore, right? I, but, no, but you start to get into that this isn't a church. Yeah. This is a media conglomerate Yeah, that has not just music, but has merchandise that has, and this is the big one, that has events. Yep. Now, we haven't got into this, I don't think, but when we grew up, like the mission trip was the thing. The church conference was the thing. Yeah. The signing up to be a leader was the thing. And your spirituality, either overtly or not, was measured by which of those things that you participated in. Hmm. And so, because I remember this happening, like uh, the Passion Conference was a big deal. I don't remember who puts that on, but hey, did you go to Passion? Are you going to Passion? Oh, did you go to the Hillsong thing? Oh, man, it was, you really need to go. And, And... Again, these are just obvious examples of stuff that happens at the local level, because I also have experiences with other folks who are like, man, we got to go down to this church in Louisiana or Texas. Yeah. It, that's where it's happening. You, you, I went, I went twice this year. You need to come with me because the spirit is really moving or whatever. And it's just like, even the selling of things is is not a problem. It's when it's like, Okay, but the selling becomes this way that we feed this machine that if you're not a part of, potentially you look down on or perceived as less spiritual or perceived as there's a revival happening. Why don't you get on Mm -hmm. board kind of thing? I think that is uh, a lot of where the problem is in this context that we're talking about is, is the way that it all feeds itself. And the same thing is true for like the Disney's of the world. Is there anything wrong per se with this one little thing? Uh maybe not, but have we thought about what funnel it puts us in? Like we 
that, that's a word that I've thought of. Like the, in, in business, there's this sales funnel, oh, thing, yeah. which is like you set up your, you, you know this, you're in, um, you, you set up your sales funnel, like your website and your marketing material in such a way that you cast a wide net and then it, you narrow it down to, this is the kind of customer that we want to help with our services. Yeah. And you know, this, this isn't a bad thing. Mo- most companies who do what they do well do this, but this is not a church thing. Yeah. Well, you're, that's it's, the problem. It's, you're trying to guide someone from point A to point Z in a certain way that results from them, you know, learning what they need to, and then you're capturing what you need in mm-hmm. order to reach out and, and bring them in or to close that. Right. And, and that's dependent on us being in control. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to control their whole process once they log onto the website and maybe even getting them yeah. to the website. And that. Again, it, and that is all designed for us to be able to lead and direct and manage and in some cases manipulate. Yeah, because like going th- go, thinking of Disney again, and this isn't even being critical because they're a business this is what they do, but they have a system that's designed from infancy to adulthood to keep you in the funnel. Mm-hmm. So they have the videos, but then they have toys you can buy that go with the videos. They have the sequels that you can, yeah. you know, buy and bring into your home. They have the streaming service that you subscribe to. They have the costumes, but then they have the theme the parks park. that you take the whole you take the whole family to. Yeah. But in the same way, like the ch- the big church brands do the same thing. Like here's our curriculum, here's our album, here's our sermon notes, here is our conference, but now here is our college that you can send people to. And it's it's a funnel that functions in exactly the same way. And I'm not even saying that all of these things are bad, but what we what I am saying and what we're both saying and what this conversation is about is that and what this what this documentary about Hillsong, I think, illustrates is that at some point we stopped paying attention to the fact that this was happening. Mm-hmm. We decided that it was okay and that there didn't need to be accountability and that if there was accountability, we needed to get rid of it because God was doing something and how dare you question what's happening here. Yeah. And as a result, we have, I mean, a bunch of people in different funnels. Yeah. Yeah. And... And and again, I, I hate to use the word that we decided it was okay. I think in most term, most instances, we probably would not say that. But again, it's you kind of have to decide it's okay or decide to ignore it if you're not going to say anything. Yeah. And so you ignore yeah. something long enough, it just it becomes normal. And I think What's that's that, where we uh, found the phrase. I think Paul uses the, the conscience becomes seared as with a hot iron. Hmm. And it, it hurts really bad at first, and then it gets duller and duller until finally, once it heals, all your nerve endings Dead. are fried, and you can't feel yep. anything anymore. Yeah, and that's that's a lot of it. I mean, and I, you know, I, I push back and I challenge because I'm doing it for myself too, but in what ways am I completely ignoring what's going on in my household? You know, it was one thing mm. when, when there wasn't this connection to everything and its dog out there through the internet. Now we have that. So in what ways am I watching? You know, we, we, the other day had to stop. Um, our daughter was just searching on YouTube for stuff. She's figured out she can do that and find videos on whatever she wants. And, <laughs> and she's innocent, right? So she's not searching yeah. for things that she shouldn't be. But at a certain point, I say innocent in, 
in in that she's young kind of a way, right? We're all guilty because we're all sinners, and I get that. But, but <laughs> you don't have to caveat. Yeah, that. but but she's got a very innocent mindset and is not looking for things she shouldn't be. But things pop up, right? Again, mm-hmm. that funnel. Even YouTube yeah. has this funnel, so where you can even go to YouTube Kids, but there's stuff that pops up on YouTube Kids because it's cartoons and these familiar act actors or whatever that. Mm-hmm. It's it's not what you think, right? And you it doesn't take yeah. long watching. And we had that happen once. Um, I think it was with my father in law actually, and I was sitting there, and he we quickly realized like, oh no, that's not Frozen because <laughs> a the Hulk isn't in Frozen, and that shouldn't be happening. And and he turned it off and was super yeah. apologetic. It's like yeah, no, you thought you were watching something that was safe, but yeah. our world has taken something that is supposed to help help a kid dream and used it to completely take away their innocence or destroy their mindset about something. Hmm. That's heavy. And I, I'd say the church has done the same thing. Yeah. Because we've allowed what you just described to infect the way that we do things. And we've let it happen because it's tough to stand up against it. Yeah. I mean, you, we started this conversation talking about judges, which it, you know, there are no heroes in that book, and that's the point. It's supposed to illustrate to you how utterly screwed these people are. Yeah. <laughs> and they, the the kind of literary design of it shows you but by, that by the time of Samson, the last judge, they don't even care anymore. To the point that when he, when Samson starts making trouble for the Philistines who were in control of the area, some of the Israelites are like, dude, chill. Yeah. Like, we, we've got a thing going here. And in the same way, I've had conversations both like on both both sides of this coin that we've been talking about. I've been I've heard conversations or or been a part of conversations on on both sides where it's like, hey, you know, why why are you why are you prodding this? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't necessarily me doing the prodding. It's it's just that like, well, why why are we? The song's good. Why should we care about the rest of all this? Yeah. Or, well, I mean, the, there's nothing wrong with this movie. I mean, what? Why you gotta? And, and I, th- uh, it, it illustrates what you just said. I reckon. And and I'm sure, y- you and I have probably both been one or both of those people yeah. <laughs> before too. Yeah. I've been like, man, why are you? Because there have been times I've had people point things out to me and like, oh, I didn't. I I should have caught that. Yeah. I should have been paying attention and I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's easy to do, right? I mean, and I think I am for sure guilty of allowing the TV to capture my kids' attention when we're not there. I mean, our dynamic, not that everyone wants my life story here, but, you know, we <laughs> homeschool. So I have three kids at home and I work from home. And so it can be interesting at times what what's going on in the house. <laughs> and so... You know, we've got a daughter in, you know, right in, in the homeschooling first grade. And then the two boys <clears throat> are not quite there yet. And so there's times where it's like, hey, watch this, right? And, yeah. you know, sometimes that's Monster Jam on, on YouTube or sometimes it's whatever on Disney. And I we don't always know what's going on. And, and so I get that. But we cannot allow the TV to, to babysit our kids or, or they're going to look way different than what we want. And I don't mean that from a manipulation standpoint, but way different than what God instructs us to do. I think God's very specific in Scripture, again, back to Judges, 
Here's how you raise up children. Here's the things you mm-hmm. should put in your life. Here's the things you should should avoid. Hey, there's there's these things that you know what, depending on where you're at, maybe good, maybe bad. I think it's pretty clear though how we're to handle these external things that are vying for our attention. And if we ignore and, those, we're going to find ourselves in a, a similar place to what we see in that yeah. instance. And and similarly, we can't trust Hillsong to babysit our churches. And, and that's, no matter how good of a job they're doing. And that yeah. goes for Hillsong and Mars Hill and Bethel and Church of the Highlands and who, whoever, whatever church brand that you're tuned into, they're not responsible for your salvation. They're not responsible for your sanctification or your... Uh, your discipleship. They can't do any of those things for you. And it's scary. And it's unfair. It's unfair to expect them to. Right. Is the other thing. Yeah. And and, and I think it's scary because you have a lot of local, strong Bible teaching churches that are looking at that, that's winning people and thinking, oh, well, that's what we should be. Yes. And and it's working. They're doing something wrong. It's not working. It's not. It's allowing things like this to happen and people to get in power that that, you know what, could be used for some great things, but they're not willing to keep themselves in check, according to the scripture, or put people around them. And so a lot of things are allowed to happen or ignored. And then you find yourself in this position where, yeah, I don't even know what's going on. I mean, obviously the church is mm-hmm. still there, but the people who found it are, what, looking at prison and, and you know, different things. And it's like, this is an issue. Yeah. I say looking at prison. I think I think he is in prison, right? Uh, um, I'm not sure. And so, yeah, it is tough to see us completely ignore the model set forth for a church in Scripture and think it's okay and then be shocked when what we see (laughs) happening happens. Yeah, it's not that much of a shock, is it? Shouldn't be. I mean, because if we were taking the Scripture seriously, we would catch even the smallest whiff of this stuff and be like, oh, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to run from that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, you know, and it's, it's easy to get a bad rap because I think we've seen kind of these, even Christians handle things on different ends of the spectrum at different times. And it's like, okay, well now we got to swing back this way and completely ignore something. Well, no, now we got to go this way. And you've got people being too loud and, yeah. and there's this kind of, well, how do I not ignore this, but not be Westboro Baptist was kind of the conversation I had with some, some friends the other day. <laughs> it's pretty good. And it's, it's like, that's, that's tough, but I don't think the answer is that we just sit there quietly until, you know, it, it, we're forced to talk. I think you mm-hmm. look for opportunities and, and are intentional, not manipulative, but intentional to funnel. There's another funnel that we should be doing called discipleship. Um, <laughs> you know, that's not necessarily manipulative. Now, I've seen people use discipleship in manip- manipulative manners, and that's a completely different Well, then they weren't conversation. Were they? Exactly. Um, but if we are discipling and bringing people in and, and having conversations, like there's going to be opportunities to address those where you don't have to scream in someone's face that they're, you know, wrong. Um, yeah. You know, uh, this, there's, there's so many issues that we, you know, we're talking about art, but really so much of the conversation around it and behind it and beside it, it, it ties into just our overall Christian experience and our, our walk with Christ and Mm -hmm. how it's affected by our culture and our families and, you know, all that, all that sort of thing. And, 
what what good art can hopefully be is a catalyst or a remembrance, like we talked about yeah. uh, in a previous episode. And that um, I think it's fair. It's a fair question to ask when we're interacting with these things, whether they be like these big, huge companies at large, or even just like one movie or one scene or one song or one lyric. Is that how does this affect my discipleship? Mm. And not in a like WWJD way necessarily, but it's uh, a question I try to ask, not as often as I should, but what good thing comes from this? Mm. That's a good, that's a helpful filter for me anyway, or a helpful lens to apply when looking at a situation that if, is the way that I consume media, Christian or not, contributing to my discipleship or hindering it. Yeah. And do I have relationships with other people who are asking the same questions and can we be honest with each other about those things? Yeah. Well, and if, if we're trying to, if we are creators, there's a responsibility as a creator to do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it is so easy in this world to be captured by things that just don't matter. Mm-hmm. So who who is in my life and what am I doing to make sure I'm in tune with 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 God, with his word, with his purpose. Yeah. All right everyone. Well, that's going to do it for episode 20. I do want to thank you for listening and I hope it was beneficial to help you just think through things going on or or just to hear, you know, a couple dudes without a clue that are trying to figure it out as well. And, you know, my challenge to you, we don't obviously challenge y'all very often on these, but my challenge would be to make sure that we are trying to be in tune with God's word in times like this, that we're not allowing ourselves just to, to go with whatever's happening or to take the easy route so that we don't, you know, uh, make waves. I think if anything, we're to make waves, but for the right reasons. And so that's my challenge to you. As always, we'd love to hear from you. So jump on Facebook, look for us, uh, Unbetween Podcast. We're on Twitter, Instagram, all those things. So jump on, talk to us, let us know how you feel, and we'll see you on the next one.